Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Middle of the week. It's the Eagle Hour on this Wednesday. Happy to have you along. Luke Johnson, Kelly Sander, Michael Mergens from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel. It's August 18th, just two and a half weeks away for the Golden Eagles kick it off. In football against the South Alabama Jaguars, we'll be talking a little later with Andrew Abadie of Pine Belt Sports uh, to recap the scrimmage yesterday and, and to look a little deeper into the statistics and and uh, what he saw out there in the rock. First segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you today and every day by Dickie's Barbecue, the hometown team located at 50 Cross Creek Parkway in Hattiesburg, 601 450 1710, they're cooking up the fresh meats every single day. No matter what you want in the barbecue genre, they have it there at Dickie's. They can also cater your next event. So uh, looking for some tailgate parties coming up, reach out to Dickie's, and we greatly appreciate their sponsorship of the Eagle Hour. The official Southern Miss athletic season kicks off tomorrow as the Lady Eagle soccer team heads down to Baton Rouge to take on the Bayou Bengals of LSU. We are extremely pleased to have with us to lead off the Eagle Hour today women's soccer head coach, Coach Muhammad Elzair, affectionately known as Coach Mo across Eagle Nation. And Coach, uh, man, thanks for taking some time. Know you guys getting ready for the opener tomorrow. Thanks for coming on the Eagle Hour. Well, thank you. It's always great to be with you guys. So uh, I guess the first question I should say, typically when you end the soccer season, it's usually a nine-month turnaround, and uh, you got things you, you get done with the spring. Not so this year. Almost four months to the day when your Lady Eagles valiantly battled uh, top 25 Rice and, and fell in the semifinals. Almost four months to the day, Coach, uh, you're going to be having an opening soccer season. It's been a interesting year. What's been the biggest challenge for this quick turnaround? Well, for us, it, it, it's not only on the uh, you know recruiting ground, but also just trying to kind of uh, give our players some time off after the season to preparing for their exams and 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 giving them some time off and making sure that they're healed from the long grueling year last year with the season being late and 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 making sure that they're you know physically and mentally ready for the challenge ahead of us here starting tomorrow and uh you know we were able to get a lot of all the players back uh with the exception of uh you know Patricia Gasparukova with the the Slovak which is still recovering from her ACL but uh we're full go for tomorrow and uh hopefully we get everybody ready to go and uh we're excited for that it's uh just uh, it seems like it was yesterday and uh, just the prep and and making sure that we also, as a staff, were able to spend a little bit more time with our loved ones and family in the off season, and balancing that sure. between the team and preparing uh, preparing our players as well. 
So already two exhibition matches uh, down in Orange Beach last week. Uh, you led the Florida Gators uh, for most of the match, and uh, but dropped a 2-1 there and then re- rebounded last Saturday and, and took down uh, Louisiana Monroe 2 to nothing. Um and, and I guess those exhibition games so important for you as you gear up for LSU tomorrow. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, opening up with Florida, which is a strong program, and uh, to be able to uh, – play, uh, you know, all the whole game, and, uh, you know, it just uh, came down to one, you know, mistake. It resulted on a penalty, but uh, we were able to play, you know, end-to-end with them and uh, showed some bravery and courage in the way we play, especially with a young team. You know, we have uh, 11 freshmen that are coming in, and we were able to get all of them onto the field to play, and uh, so we are excited about that. The other day against uh, ULM, uh, we were able to get uh, pretty much everybody on the roster to get on the field, and we're able to kind of see how our younger players uh, developed and, and, and adjust to our system. Coach Mo Kelly Sander in the First Bank Studio in Hattiesburg. First question I have is, what, did it, what does it mean for Conference USA as a whole that one of its teams actually played for the national title last year? And then I have a follow-up question about, about Conference USA. I tell you, uh, really excited for for uh, you know our friends at Marshall to have a men's program that uh, competed to, and not only competed but also won a national title. It, it it just changes you know how the rest of the country looks at Conference USA and 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 all the affiliates within the league in terms of that we are. Uh, 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 a huge vehicle to getting out, you know, student athletes not only to pursue their education but also to pursue their soccer uh, careers at uh, competing at the highest level uh, nationally. And specifically on the women's side, the first Associated Press Top 25 poll came out earlier this week. Two teams from Conference USA, Western Kentucky and Rice, have made it into the Top 25 further propelling Conference USA up the order of significance when it comes to the overall women's college soccer scene, yes? And, and I'll tell you, if you look at in, in recent years, you know, the, the level of not only the coaching, but also the resources that, uh, you know, the, the schools are putting into women's soccer and, uh, you know, the type of student-athletes that all the programs are bringing in into our league, it's uh, are, are you know highly competitive players that I've experienced playing at you know uh, very high levels at the club level, but also players that are playing nationally for their countries. You know, for example, with us, we get uh, six players that play, represent their countries, their nations, and and and, and we're able to bring them here to Hattiesburg uh, as well. So that uh, says a lot about the recruitment. Says a lot about the coaching that we have within our league. Uh, we're we're also, you know, attracting coaches that have played in 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 some uh, you know uh, high resource five leagues, and now are coming in and seeing that Conference USA is, is is a league that they can also pursue their career as well. Yeah, it's just good to hear, Luke, because lots of times you know people want to criticize Conference USA as not really being a player on the national scene, but certainly in women's soccer, that stock keeps going up. Yeah. Absolutely, and Coach Mo, you get that uh, you get that uh, 
rematch, I guess, against Rice midseason as you'll take on the, the Lady Owls here in Hattiesburg. But let's talk a little about your squad with the time we have remaining. Uh, the As I look on the, the roster, of course, the, the three big ones from uh, from grad, that are listed as graduate students, Pennington on defense, Mendich in the goal, and then how, how awesome is it you have the uh, defending offensive player of the year in Ariel Diaz. So you got a lot of young young ladies on this roster, but you are sound in leadership. Well, that's they're 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 our captains, and they've done a, a, a super job in terms of integrating and and bringing the younger players into you know not only how we do things and our core values, but also uh, mentoring them in, in in getting them ready for their first you know official collegiate game. Uh, so they've done a brilliant job in, in, in having Ariel and, and Kendall and, and Macy and, uh, uh, and as well as Alicia Campos, the, the Brazilian coming back. Uh, it's huge for us. Uh, we're looking for them to not only contribute on the field, but uh, leading our team off the field. And they've done a great job this far. And, and we're looking forward for that and, and mentoring the young players and uh, uh, excited about what the young players are doing, especially, uh, you know, you've got players like Ileana uh, Izquierdo, you've got Mia Sadler. Uh, those are some of the players that are doing uh, Adair and Econo. Uh, so, so we're excited for all those young players, and, uh, but uh, commend our senior uh, class for their leadership for sure. About a minute left. Uh, you mentioned us in the spring with success. Uh, there was a lot of teams that were reaching out to you. And when you look at this schedule for your lady soccer team this year, I mean, we talked about the exhibition, Florida. You go to LSU. You go to Alabama. Um, you play Little Rock and Grambling. You're at Mississippi State. And all that coaches before the September 16th conference date. Uh, this, is a, this is a pretty sound schedule. And then when you look at how deep you get in conference, man, this is a tough schedule. It, it is. We want to play the the, the the tough schedule. We want to play the 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 big teams or the strong teams because it prepares our players going into conference. And but not only that, it's a it's a great recruiting uh, tool for us to to be able to play uh, all these SEC teams and and uh, uh, it, it helps our players for sure. And uh, looking forward to that. And but also you know a lot of the Teams like, for example, the people at Mississippi State are doing a great job with that program in the last couple of years. And uh, looking forward to uh, going there and, and giving them our best game. Absolutely. Well, Coach Mo, we appreciate your time today. You and Coach JP, Coach Carly Malden, get after them tomorrow and then get after Grambling on Sunday. We'll be cheering for you the whole way. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. Coach Mohamed Elzair, women's soccer coach at Southern Miss at LSU tomorrow night, and then they will stay in the the boot state, take on Grambling 1 p.m. on Sunday. We're going to talk football, dive a little deeper into yesterday's first scrimmage of the fall. Andrew Abadie from Pine Belt Sports joins us right after this on the Eagle Hour. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Back on a Wednesday, appreciate 
Coach Muhammad Elzair's time as the Lady Eagles kick off the 2021 season. I guess the second 2021 season, but tomorrow night down in Baton Rouge against LSU. And then they will take on Grambling on Sunday at 1 p.m. Eagle Hour on a Wednesday. Luke, Kelly, and Michael from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg. And Laurel, Bob getting some R&R this week. He'll be back next week. Appreciate you joining us. And second segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by our good friends at Campus Bookmark, Miss Kathleen, and all of her staff there on Hardy Street. Of course, you can always shop 24-7, and they'll ship it right to your house at Campus Bookmark. Dot net and a reason to go by there and get you some fresh swag. We are only two and a half weeks away from the kickoff between South Alabama and Southern Miss as the Will Hall era gets underway. It was a scrimmage in the Rock yesterday, and Andrew Abadie of Pine Belt Sports joins us. He is the sports editor for that publication. Abadie, you were in the Rock yesterday. Uh, give us your uh, initial uh, takeaways uh, as we uh, look at really the first scrimmage of the fall for the Golden Eagle football team. Well, hey, guys. First off, thanks for having me. Uh, but takeaways from yesterday, I would say, you know, it was kind of a typical scrimmage. There were highs. There were lows. You know, some things looked rough. But overall, it kind of looked like the first scrimmage. I, I thought the I thought the best group of the day was the wide receivers. I think in total there was guys with 18 different catches. Of course, uh, Southern Miss ran over 160 plays yesterday, but I thought the winners of the day were uh, definitely the wide receivers. They looked good across the board, and and I'm not just saying that because they put up some decent numbers, but those guys made some really nice catches from the first team to the third team. Uh, the one group that Coach Hall was not happy with was the backup quarterback battle between, uh, you know, the former Taylorsville stud Ty Keys and Louisville transfer T. Webb. They were both kind of rough. They had their moments more ugly than than good. But overall, I mean, I, I think it was you know a successful day. I thought the first team offense looked great. I thought the first team defense was definitely looked. Uh, I guess you could say thin with, you know, no Hayes Maples, no Swayze Bozeman, and no Santrell Latham. Let's uh, let's go back uh, to talk about a few of those positions first. Uh, the receiving core, obviously, uh, the kind of word yesterday was Brownlee made a fantastic catch, and looks like he's uh, he, he had been kind of ginger the last few days coming off an injury. Looks like uh, he's back. But who else were some of those guys in the receiving core? Demarcus uh, Jones, uh, Dequan Bailey Brown, anyone else that really stood out to you in ability? Well, yeah, most definitely uh, Brownlee looked like he looks like he's his old self again. And honestly, he looks like this is the first time I really got to see him in practice. He looks a lot better than last year in terms of talent. But the name that really stuck out was Jacarius Tasten. I had to look up who that was, but he had four catches for over 100 yards yesterday. That was really uh, the big wide receiver name aside from, uh, you know, uh, Jason Brownlee, who. He had two great catches, but, but you know, Jacarius Kasten, he's out of Heinz Community College. Don't really know too much about him. He's probably, you know, the up-and-coming name that we might see in terms of, you know, that number two receiver. Uh, after that, I mean, everybody had between one and two catches, it, but, you know, the the other surprising one I thought, and, and I shouldn't say surprising, but how much they were using Frank Gore Jr. in the passing game uh, kind of caught me off guard, especially since he really wasn't 
as much involved with it last year, but it looks like he's going to be a, a real threat, you know, with both the run game and, and in the passing game this season. Andrew Abney, a couple of questions for you. First of all, and I, and I know <laughs> you and I have talked about this before, but with Chuck Abney, who was the longtime sports editor of the Hattiesburg American, I'm sure how many people now, I'm sure you probably have a tote board as to how many people have asked you, are you and Chuck Abney at all related? You put me on the spot. I've gone out of my way to not tell the difference uh, <laughs> because I think it's helped me out a little bit. But no, we are not related. It is just you know one big coincidence. I will say Chuck and I did get to talk right before the pandemic, and we figured out that both of our, I guess, families are both from the Irish Channel of New Orleans and, and a couple blocks away, but no no blood no bloodline between us. Okay, well let's let's continue our discussion about Southern Miss football. Uh, the talking to, you know, some people in this offseason have talked about what a remarkable recovery Hayes Maples has made and there was some talk that he might actually get cleared to play this season. Have you heard anything, you know, that would that would verify that or or not at this point? So basically that's all I've really heard. I've heard that he's very much ahead of, you know, his recovery and that, you know, he'll be back much earlier than what we probably thought, uh, you know, when he went down with his injury. But, you know, I haven't really heard anything official in terms of uh, an official timetable, but other than the fact that, you know, he's ahead of his recovery and, and should be back sooner than, you know the initial thought. Well, let's let's look at worst case scenario then. What? How would you describe the linebacking core with some of the people that you have not seen uh, compared to some guys who may have to step up? You know, I, I thought the linebackers were fine yesterday. A- Avery Hobbs looked really good yesterday, I and mean, he had three sacks. And you know, he was kind of filling in in, in, in that you know that inside linebacker role, and. You know, he, he looked the part. He, he looked really, really good. He looked solid. You know, he had great reads on the ball. And, you know, I will say the, the defense came up with six sacks yesterday, but I think five of them were against uh, Ty Keyes and T. Webb. I think, um, uh, uh, oh, gosh, Trey Lowe uh, only got sacked once, and he was trying to scramble. Um, but, you know, I, I think I think they're still going to be fine. I mean, that was still – a. I know you'd like to have Rakeem Booth back there as well. I'm sure everybody knows the news on him not playing this year. But I think it's still a position that's you know it was it was thought to be deep last year, and I think it's going to still kind of be deep this year. I was trying to read between the lines a little bit when Coach Hall made the comment that that both T. Webb um, and Ty Keys both I think the term he used was their heads were spinning a little bit. I, I think again, kind of reading between the lines, I think he's a little bit concerned about the backup role, if, um, if Trey, Lu, Trey Lowe happens to go down, um, that who he might have to turn to. I, uh, am I, or am I overthinking it? I want to say, you know, you're not completely wrong, but at the same time, you're not overthinking it. I mean, you got to remember, both of these guys are, are really young. I mean, Ty Keyes is a true freshman. T-Webb might as well be a true freshman, you know, transfer from Louisville. That, that was only T-Webb's second live scrimmage. So, you know, T. Webb, looking dissecting him, you know, he would have a really bad moment, but then bounce back and have a really great moment. And, you know, with Ty Keys, he looks like a true freshman out there. You know, it's obvious that he kind of 
could still be in the weight room, could, you know, has a lot of things that, that he kind of needs to develop. But in terms of where he is at as a, as a freshman quarterback, he is definitely above where his peers would be as, as other freshman quarterbacks. And, you know, I think they can get in there and ad- adequately run things, but you definitely want them to be – I think what, what Coach Hall was getting at was that there was times where they didn't look like they were in complete control of things, and that's what looked like that they were missing. The final question I have for you, Andrew. You talked that you were a little bit surprised at the implementation of Frank Gore Jr. in the passing game. Can you fill in some blanks there for us? What did you mean? So I was just – you know, I know they were going to use them in, in, in the screen game and whatnot, but they came out out the gun going to, going towards those kinds of uh, you know this play calling, and, and you know they had him going out deep for a few plays, and they worked brilliantly. I mean, I, I wrote the other day that the best sequence of events was in the first two plays of the day when they hit Jason Brownlee right away, who came down with a great catch, and then you know they hit Frank Gore, who you know had pretty much wide open space, uh, had had to break uh, you know break a you know, make a guy miss, but he went for 35 yards for a touchdown. And, you know, I, I think we're going to see a lot more of that, uh, of, of Frank Gore maybe being more involved with just overall in the passing game. And it looked like on Trey Lowe, Trey Lowe had a pick six yesterday, but it looked like it was a busted play all around. Uh, no knock to Josh Perry because he made a great play on the, on the ball for that pick six, but it looked like that play was going to go to Frank Gore as well. Yeah. Andrew, you got time to stick around with us a little longer? Yeah, most definitely. Awesome. We got uh, we got about forty five seconds left in this segment. Just to, to finish out this segment yesterday, and it's hard to. I, I know all of us were just kind of trying to figure stuff out, and, and I don't want to grasp and, and make too much out of it. But was the offense yesterday? Was it more dip and dunk, or was it was there shots in there? Uh, I'd say it's about fifty fifty. I mean, you know, I think. I think I thought they looked fine. I, I thought the offense won the day. I, I think Coach Hall would probably say differently because the offense came out swinging and they looked good early on. I thought the first team offense shined, in, in my opinion. Uh, the, my only knock to 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 the to the day was kind of the, the run blocking, but you know I can talk more about that in the second section yep. if you guys want to. Absolutely. We'll talk uh, some offensive line play and, and, and talk a little more about the uh, defense. Stick around with us. Andrew Abadie from Pine Belt Sports continues with us on the Eagle Hour. This segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by 4th Street Bar and Grill. It's your official Southern Miss hangout spot, whether you're uh, pre-gaming before a football game, basketball game, or baseball game. Of course, you're within a stone's throw of any one of those facilities at Southern Miss. 4th Street is the place to go. Everybody's always ready to talk Southern Miss athletics, great games on the TV, great 
place to shoot pool, play some darts. They've got trivia. They've got golden tea on the videos and uh, heartwarming folks to always talk about. And, of course, home of that 895 uh, Blue Plate special every day. And that 895 includes your soft drink. Continuing our discussion with Andrew Abity about what he has seen from the Golden Eagles in scrimmages so far this year. You know, a couple, three years ago, it seems like everybody complained that the only thing the Southern Miss offense could do is, with, was throw wide receiver screens or bubble screens. And they said, well, we didn't have an offensive line to be able to really do much more than that. So the offensive line, always a focal point. Uh, what did you see yesterday, Andrew, and what do you expect going forward from that particular unit? So I, I do think the offensive line just looks improved compared to last year. And, and I know, of course, last year was just, you know, it was a wash considering all the coaching uh, changes. But, you know, they look big. They, they, they had a slow start. Uh, you know, I thought the run blocking wasn't exactly there in the first half of the scrimmage. So I was doing math off air. So, they, so Southern Miss called 49 run plays. Uh, well, that's probably not right because – T-Webb and Ty Keys had a few scrambles. But let's say 49 run plays. They only had uh, 137 rushing yards on the day. And 53 of those came from one run from Frank Gore. So they were averaging 2.7 yards a carry uh, yesterday. And that was kind of concerning to me. They did get better as, as the day went on, as you kind of would expect. But, you know, on the flip side of that, thought the pass blocking looked great, and that was from first team, second team, and third team. I mean, Coach Hall even said it, and I agree with him. Yeah, the defense had several sacks on the day, but they weren't on the offensive line. The majority of them, if not all of them, were on the quarterback. We've talked even going back to last spring that we thought that this was Trey Lowe's team, that he was the quarterback and, and is the quarterback of the Southern Miss team. But when you look at Trey Lowe, you know, he, the way that he has built and bulked up in the offseason, he almost looks like a linebacker. And look, he is intimidating. Man, this, this guy is, is really something and still really not a lot of experience, but seems to be all systems go. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, to start off, I, I, I definitely think Trey Lowe earned the locker room given the situation he was put in, thrown into the fire. And, you know, he won the majority of the ball games he started. People kind of forget that. Um, so earning the locker room, without a doubt, it, it's his locker room, and it's very obvious. Uh, in terms of how big he got, I, you know, I knew he was a big guy last year, but when we showed up to practice on the first day, I, I, like everybody else, I was shocked to see how chiseled that man is now. I mean, he said he's up to 230, and he put on nothing but muscle, and it looks like he put nothing but muscle on. I mean, I think, you know, he's going to be hard for some CUSA defenses to bring down. That that was kind of something that, you know, I was kind of looking for yesterday to see if if Trey can kind of knock people over if he wants to and didn't really get to see that that much. But I think it's something that you have to account for when, when you game plan for him. Andrew, um, let's go to the other side of the ball. We've had Austin Armstrong, the defensive coordinator for for Southern Miss football, on a, a few times, and you know he said that they obviously weren't going to you know just like bring a madhouse every play, but he said expect toughness, expect pressure. What was your just kind of overall vision and and takeaway from the defense, kind of their approach yesterday? Well, like, and I, and I think like you you probably some of the people have read tackling was kind of rough. Uh, across the board, just and I think you kind of expect that in the first scrimmage. And, and like I said earlier, it's obvious that Nathan, Bozeman, Maples aren't out there, and I think that's 
kind of a big difference. But in terms of, you know, coverage and, and, and you know, aggressiveness, you know, Coach Hall said it yesterday, you know, and I say that again, but, you know, what what he what Coach Armstrong is doing defensively is hard for, I, I think, for offenses to pick up on. And I think that's part of the reason why the defense had so much success against Ty T and T Webb, you know, two more inexperienced guys. And, you know, I, despite the, the, the lack of personnel, um, you know, I, I thought the linebackers still looked really good. I thought the corners had some work to do. I thought the defensive line brought plenty of pressure. I was actually really pleased with how the defensive line performed. But the corners looked like they, they had, you know, they, they've got some work to do. Um, but I think you kind of anticipate that in the first scrimmage as well. Yeah, he talked about Dominique Cuevon had, had put on some weight, and of course Eric Kitchen up front. I think Todd Sykes got dinged up, but apparently he was walking uh, by the end of practice. So, but uh, yeah, Armstrong. One of the things he said was because of the pressure they're going to bring, and Coach Hall's been pretty adamant about this. They're going to play man on the outside, and you know he just acknowledged they're going to get beat sometimes. We saw that early in practice, but he, you know he's talked about Eric Scott, he's talked about Brooks, he's talked about Rayshon Mitchell. So what you're saying is we we got to improve a little bit if we're going to play man on the edge. Yeah, and you know, I'm glad you said that because that's where they got beat a lot was on the edges. Uh, especially, uh, I would say probably the majority of their big passing plays were on the edges of them getting beat. Uh, and I didn't think about it until you said it, but that's how Brownlee made his his big catch to start the day. And you know, Frank Gore, he, he had some success on the edges as well. I mean, it's not like they were going down uh, midfield as much as you, as you would think, but uh, you know. Uh, I, I'm still giving them the slack that it was the first scrimmage. You know, I, I know I've said that already, but I think they're going to be fine. I think they'll be good to go. Uh, Rachel Mitchell, I mean, he, he had a really good heads-up play when uh, Frank Gore fumbled the other day. Uh, you know, Frank was trying to go outside of – trying to go out of bounds, and, and the ball slipped out, and he made a really heads-up play to come up with the ball because the ball could have easily would have, uh, went out of bounds with Gore. So, you know, I, I think um, – I think the experience is there. I think the I think the talent is is. I think they're going to be adequate, and I think they'll be solid to say the least. And, and you say yeah. you, you say solid. You think they're going to be fine, and I'm with you, Andrew. But I, but I want to let's get more specific in the preseason polls. And of course, we all know the polls are pretty much for you know entertainment and whatnot. But you know UAB because of their past successes is up there as, as number one. The team that's really the sexy pick this year for some reason I don't understand it other than the number of returners they've got. And it has to be based on that and that alone is Texas San Antonio. Louisiana Tech has had some has had, you know, some success and consistency in that program. So those all three of those teams picked ahead of Southern Miss in that division, in the Western Division of Conference mm-hmm. USA. Am, am I drinking the Kool-Aid or, or or are they just selling Southern Miss short in your view? Well, you know, you have the first year coach. You know, you, you kind of just have to account for the first year coaching, you know, loop. Uh, and and I'm, it's funny you bring that up. I actually wrote my column this week on my on my guesses with the team schedule. And you know, I, I'm kind of high on UTSA uh, just because they do have a lot of starters back, and they did play a full season. They went seven and five last year, and, and they looked a lot better than they have in previous years. I, I think UAB is is the clear cut favorite. Uh, they 
what some consider they, they have one of the best offensive lines in, in not just Conference USA, but in the country. But, you know, I don't see that there's no reason why Southern Miss can't make a run to be in a CUSA championship. You know, I, I think this, I had this team picked to be a seven win team. But, you know, it wouldn't shock me if they had five, and it wouldn't shock me if they had ten wins. I mean, the schedule is not hard this year. And aside from Alabama, I, I would say almost every game is, is pretty much winnable at that point on. Um, to mention Louisiana Tech, you know, Louisiana Tech was in a rebuild year, and they finished five and five and still made a bowl game. Um, uh, one, one interesting stat I found was whenever Louisiana Tech runs for over 150 yards, They've won their last 16 games, and uh, you know that's what they made their bread and butter on with the run game. They didn't really have that last year, so I think if Louisiana Tech has that this year, you know you you, you have to watch out for them. And you, you take a look at that schedule. You meant, and, and one of the good things going for Southern Miss is that they don't have to play Marshall. Uh, from the other other side of the ledger. Marshall has been the kingpin over there for a long time, and the Thundering Herd not on the Southern Miss schedule. So there are some of those points are well taken, you know, other than the, the money games, we'll call them. You know, Alabama, I'm with you. I've got them at eight wins. You've got them at seven. Luke, you really haven't said it. When are you going to unveil your number? Uh, it's coming up. Okay, 17 days away, think buddy. about stuff then, y'all. 17 yeah, days. We'll, we'll get there. Okay. I promise. I think the, the make or break for them is the three-game stretch of North Texas, UTSA, and Louisiana Tech. I think that is their season right there. And I, and I think a really good indicator of how the year could go for them is that Rice game, you know, the conference opener. Rice is going to have a really tough non-conference schedule. They play Texas, Houston, and somebody else in the Power Five to open the year. And a lot of people were high on Rice last year. Rice got bit by you know, COVID-19 quarantines, but they bring back a lot of talent heading into this year. So I'm curious to see how Rice is. I think that's going to be a really good indication of how Southern Miss will be. But you go to UTSA and then you go to Louisiana Tech, those are two tough road games right there, and I think that defines things for them. You and I agree on that Rice game. I think it's one of the most pivotal games in this uh, this schedule for the Golden Eagles. Rice will uh, open at Arkansas, then take on Houston, and then go to Texas. Andrew Abadie, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for sticking around for that second segment. Appreciate all you do covering Southern Miss. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Kelly and I will wrap up the Eagle Hour. Stick with us. A couple of news and notes uh, to let you know about right after this. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. D-Bat and D-1 Training bring you the fourth segment of the Eagle Hour every single day on Hardy Street. The website, dbathattiesburg.com. they got a Labor Day camp coming up in a few weeks for ages 6 to 13. It will be from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Labor Day. Only $45 and uh, be a great opportunity for your kids to get instruction from great instructors and uh, work on their game and some of the best facilities in the state of Mississippi. DBAT D1, proud sponsors 
of the Eagle Hour. Appreciate Andrew Avity relaying his uh, takeaways from yesterday's scrimmage. Just a couple notes uh, for for you. Frank Gore Jr., 145 yards total offense yesterday, kind of like an Alvin Kamara day. Eight rushes for 77 on the ground. He had uh, three catches for 68 yards and a touchdown. Quarterback position, Trey Low, 12 of 20 for uh, 231 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. One was to Frank Gore and the other was to Darius Mayberry. T. Webb, 12 of 24 for two interceptions for 115 yards. Tyke, 7 of 13 for uh, 126 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Josh Perry had a pick six. Avery uh, Habas had a had three sacks. Um, and then in the special teams game, Bridge Bourgeois, two of two extra points, three of three field goals. Andrew Stein, two of two extra points, two of three uh, in the field goal category. Delonte Hill, uh, of course, went to S- Stephen F. Austin, uh, the former Southern Miss uh, basketball assistant, moving on from Jay Ladner's staff, and he has been replaced now. That spot has been replaced, I should say, with Anthony Winchester. Jay Ladner announcing today Anthony Winchester will join Southern Miss basketball as an assistant coach. He was uh, most recently the video coordinator uh, for the Golden Eagles and then uh, spent the 2020-2021 season at Pacific and so Anthony Winchester, the newest Southern Miss basketball coach. Kelly Sander, a couple news and notes from around the world. Yeah, Anthony Winchester actually played at Western Kentucky, so he, he's certainly familiar with uh, the way things are in Conference USA. So we welcome uh, Anthony Winchester. A programming note tomorrow on this Eagle Hour, we're going to be talking with the director of the Pride of Mississippi. We're going to learn about not two, not three, but four different halftime shows. The band is preparing this year, Luke, four different halftime shows. More reasons why you should come to every game and expect to see something different. So on the program tomorrow, the uh, Pride of Mississippi, and we're going to be talking with Carlos Stokes, who is the coach of the Southern Miss Cheer Squad. So we're going to learn about some of the uh, support folks that you're going to see uh, at the Rock this year cheering on the football Golden Eagles. A little bit about a lot of things. It appears the University of Nebraska's football program might be in trouble with the NCAA. They reported today that they are fully cooperating, but they are accused of moving their football weight training workouts to off-campus facilities last spring when they were strictly forbidden by the NCAA to be having any Uh, weight programs or any activity of any kind and again nebraska accused of trying to circumvent the program by moving their facilities off campus so we'll see how that comes but uh, nebraska under the microscope right now in the national football league the dallas cowboys head coach mike mccarthy said there's a real good chance that former mississippi state quarterback dak prescott will not play at all during the preseason. Of course, he's been having some uh, shoulder issues. And before we get on to the last note here, Luke, I want to ask you too, how how really do you how good do you think some of these teams are going to be when they're purposely shelving their I understand why they're doing it. But but really, what's the point of even having these preseason games if your marquee players aren't even going to get to step on the field? Hopefully, you know what they think is that for some of those guys, it's just timing, and especially with veterans who know the speed of the game. I was watching Aaron Rodgers um, the other day warm up in a practice. It was absolute. It was unbelievable. I mean, just like blind throws from forty yards, and he would land it in a bucket. So it's a lot of these guys. They know the speed of the game. 
but you at least want him to get a couple snaps. Um, but you got to figure that the people that will be around him for the most part are, are people that he's comfortable with, and maybe that's why. And I will say this. I'm not a big fan of Tom Brady. Look, totally respect him. There isn't an athlete I respect more. I just don't like him. But he played in that first series. I mean, it was just one series, but at least he was on the field yeah. last Saturday night. Um, and he said, you know, how can I expect other guys to get out there and get after it if I'm not willing to do it myself? So, point well taken. Sure. And the yeah. final note from the National Football League, the Washington football team has reported that they have narrowed their list of choices for potential new names for themselves down to three. They're not being specific as to what three names they have narrowed it to, but some insiders are saying it looks like the Washington Presidents might be the name. In fact, there are some logos even online that show the W of Washington with the Washington Monument kind of going up through the middle of, uh, of the W. But I have to jokingly ask if, you know, if, if the, their prior nickname caused some problems with uh, Americans. I'm not sure the name Presidents would be any better. The popularity of, uh, of, of Presidents these days. But I guess they have to be called something. So we'll be in a Absolutely. holding pattern until we find out. And the Washington football team will play Cincinnati's Bengals Friday night in their second preseason game. So that's a little bit about a lot of things here on the Eagle Hour. Final note, and this is probably the most important news we will bring you all day. It is a very important person's birthday today, the one and only Jack Duggan. Happy birthday, Jack, the old left-hander, sports information director. So if you know Jack, if you see Jack, he's only like 34 today, so just wish him happy birthday. And we'll we'll, we'll just leave it like this. Uh, Jack, let them sing it to you as we sign off the air. Happy birthday, Jack Duggan. Thanks for sticking with us on the Eagle Hour. We'll see you tomorrow. And as always, Southern Miss. To the the top. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.